Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Here we go. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, there are many times in it where it just seems culturally uh, awkward. Uh, Father, there are times where, where your word even goes against maybe our personality, our uh, our, our bent, uh, the way that we think, the way that we're tooled. And Father, I pray that in those times that you would give us grace to trust you. Uh, that's what we need, God. Uh, we need grace just to trust that uh, you, you know exactly what you're doing. Uh, that you are wise beyond our imagination. That you are faithful. Uh, that you love us in, in ways that we can't even comprehend. Father, I pray that uh, you would give us grace to embrace your truth and to embrace uh, the family and the church uh, as you have designed them. Father, we ask for your spirit to do a great work. Father, fill us with your spirit. Uh, Fill us with your word. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last week we were uh, in the passage right above this, and we were talking about what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now remember, that is something different than being indwelt with the Spirit of God. Uh, Every born-again believer is indwelt with the Spirit of God, but when we are filled with the Spirit of God, it means we are yielding ourselves to the power and to the influence and to the control of the Holy Spirit. And last week we we looked at how that happens and how we do that, and and the results of that, which are many. First of all, we looked at joy. Uh, Joy, we looked at gratitude. Uh, People that are filled with the Spirit of God are grateful people. They are joyful in what God has done for them and the promises of God's Word. They are people who are filled up with God's truth. They're, they're filled to the full with, with God's truth. Uh, they're driven into relationships. If, if you remember, I love this part, verse 19. Right after it says, be filled with the Spirit, the first thing it says is addressing one another, okay? So in other words, speaking one another. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be driven into these Christ-centered relationships with the church, with other believers, and you're going to speak God's truth. You're going to encourage each other with the Word of God. You're going to be exhorting one another in, in the things of God, okay? So you're pressed together in Christ in our relationships. And then the final kind of result or application to being filled with the Spirit, we left off last week because it's so big and, and we needed to take it in, in a chunk today, but it's verse 21, okay? So keep in mind, being filled with the Spirit overflows into what we're going to talk about today, which is verse 21 and following, which says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, there's going to be joy involved, joy in all that God has done. There's going to be gratitude involved. You're going to be pressed into these relationships with with, with the church, with these other believers. And in those relationships, there is going to be a mutual submitting to one another. Okay? Now, now let me let me unpack first of all. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean a mutual submitting to one another? First of all, the word submit in the Greek, it means to be subject. Really, literally, it means to arrange in order. Okay? To rank underneath. And so it's kind of the picture of someone saying, okay, I'm going to put myself under you. Okay? I'm going to put myself under you. I'm going to put myself under your authority. I'm going to voluntarily yield to you. Okay? That, that's really the picture of submission. Now, the big question actually... The, Theologically, verse 21 is harder than the rest of them. Now, now living it out, you're going to see verse 22, 23, and 24 are the hard ones, okay? But theologically, verse 21 is a difficult verse because how do you submit to one another? 
Okay, do, do, do you see the point there? Because to place oneself under, under someone, to yield to someone, uh, that we can understand that. But how do you do that to one another? Okay, does that make sense? In other words, how, 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 do, how, how do I yield to Tony and he yields to me at the same time? You know, I mean, how, how does that work? How do you submit to one another? I mean, submission almost implies authority and, and, and uh, leadership. And so how do you do it to one another? You know, it, it's kind of like the picture. Has this ever happened to you when you leave church? This happens to us. You know, where do you want to eat? I don't care. You know, where do you want to eat? I don't care. You pick. No, you pick. You know, and if you're in two vehicles, you do this thing. We, we'll follow you. No, we'll follow you. And so suddenly, finally, you know. You know, nobody wants to take off, you know, and, you know, it's like somebody lead, you know, and is that what Paul is talking about? Is that the plan for the church is that we all just live in this, you know, mamby pamby, you know, no, you pick the songs. No, you pick the songs, you know, no, you go on a mission trip. No, you go on a mission trip. You lead the kids out. No, you change. No, yeah, no, that's not what Paul's talking about. Obviously. Okay. And so, so verse 21 creates a little bit of tension of how, how does that really work out? Submitting to one another. Okay. We're filled with the spirit of God. We're pressed together in these relationships. Where, where we encourage each other with the Word of God. And in those relationships, there is to be a mutual submission. Okay, now here's my answer, and I think the biblical answer is, is really clear, and I'll prove this to you in the Bible. The biblical answer is this. What Paul is talking about in verse 21 is an atmosphere of submission. He's talking about a mindset that we are to have toward one another. Okay, now what is our fleshly tendency? We all know this. Our fleshly tendency is, I want my way, Right? Isn't that right? That's yours. You're bent that way. You want your way, right? We want things our way. We want them to be done our way. We want them to be lived out our way. We, we, we want our kind of music, and we want our kind of Sunday school, and we want our kind of church, and we want our kind of a family, and we want our, we want our way, okay? That is our sinful tendency. You can go in the nursery right now, and you can see it in children as young as, as six months old, okay? They want their way. We're wired that way. And so Paul says, as we're filled with the Spirit of God and pressed together in these relationships, something beautiful happens. There's a mutual submission. In other words, everybody has a yield in this. Everybody is, is, is more concerned with the other person than they are with themselves. More concerned with building up that person than they are than they are with getting their own way. Okay? So, so, so verse 21 is communicating that in all our personal relationships, okay? If you're filled with the Spirit of God in your friendships, in your acquaintances, with your neighbors, with your small group, with your social gathering, there's to be this attitude that, you know what? I'm not going to demand my own way. I'm not going to pitch a fit. I'm not going to insist on my own ideas. I'm, I'm not going to insist that I be catered to. I'm going to have a spirit of deferring to other people. I'm going to have a spirit of, of looking to build you up. That, that's why, you know, you, you have a church full of people that are filled with the Spirit. you got a church full of people that when they're pressed together, everybody's concerned about building everybody else up. Now, see, that works beautifully. Okay, that, that's an incredible picture of what the church ought to be. Let, let, let me show you why I know this is what Paul is talking about here. Because other places in the Bible, for instance, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, listen to this verse. It says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. In other words, no competition, no trying to get you know, one up, uh, one, one another. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Okay? Let me even read verse 4. I didn't plan on reading verse 4, but let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. That's exactly what Paul's talking about in verse 21, where he says, let there be this mutual submission that comes about from being filled with the Spirit of God. It's that we come together and we're concerned more about the other guy than we are about ourselves. We count other people more significant. Your needs are more significant than mine. 
And you look at me and you say, my needs are more significant. You know, I mean, there's that mutual submission that, that Paul's talking about. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Here's another verse that I, I, think, I think speaks to this. Verse 10 says, love one another with brotherly affection. Be, have this brotherly family affection for one another in the church. And then he says, I love this, outdo one another in showing honor. It, should there be competition? Yeah. But here's the competition. I, I'm going to beat you in honoring you, okay? You know, I'm going to honor you more than you honor me. I mean, that, that ought to be our spirit. And that's what Paul is talking about in verse 21. And so as we're filled with the spirit of God, Paul says, one of the things that's going to happen is there's going to be a submitting to one another at of reverence for Christ. Because of our relationship with Christ, because of our, our, our union with Jesus Christ, when we're filled with the Spirit, we're pressed together in relationships and there's this mutual submission to one another's attitude of submission. Okay? So that's verse 21 that should be true of every born-again believer. Now, here's where things get a little more difficult as far as living them out. There are specific relationships that require order. Okay? There are institutions that God has created that they don't work, okay? Please hear that out. They don't work without leadership. They don't work without authority. They don't work without structure. They don't work without order, okay? And it's interesting. Notice, get the big picture. If you have your Bible laying open, mine kind of lays open from the end of chapter 4 to to all the way to the end of Ephesians through chapter 6. And I can see, as I look down at this passage, you have this huge command of being filled with the Spirit of God, okay? And then you have these things that Paul lays out. And then he ends with verse 21, submitting to one another. And then he goes forward and talks about wives and husbands, Okay? And that goes all the way through chapter 5. And then in chapter 6, verse 1, he talks about children and parents. And that goes through chapter, or verse 4. And then in verse 5, he talks about slaves and masters. Okay, do you see how he's laying that out? So submitting to one another. Everybody has this, 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 this uh, air of submission, this, this atmosphere of, of yielding and putting other people before ourselves. And then he goes ahead and deals with the specific institutions, the specific relationships of family. Okay, He starts with husbands and wives. He goes to children and parents. And then he goes to slaves and masters. We don't have slaves and masters today, but we do have working relationships, don't we? And so, so the point is, is that there are certain relationships in life that God has designed that they have to have order. Pro- probably the, the most obvious of these is government, okay? L- listen to what Paul says. Here's what the Bible says. You may not like our president. You may not like our senators. You may not like our representatives. You may not like the police chief. You may not like the sheriff. You may not like any of those people. But here's what the Bible tells you. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be, here's the word again, subject. You see that? That, 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 that's a form of submission. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, does that mean they're always right? No. Does that mean that, that they're always holy men of God? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, I think we could all you know, vouch for that. doesn't mean that, okay? Does it mean they always have our best interests in mind? No, it doesn't. But what it does mean is that God has created created certain institutions and they demand that there be authority and structure and submission. Without that, they don't work. I mean, imagine no government or imagine a government where there's no authority, okay? Laws where there's no punishment, all right? Imagine we're in, in, living in a country where there is no law against murder. There is no law against child molestation. There is no law against thievery or, or, or fraud, you know, imagine there's nobody to, there's no, there's no government, there's no authority to, to, to institute, to carry out those laws. I, I, nobody wants to live in that. I don't want to live in that. I, I don't want to live in that kind of place. 
Now, are those people always right? No. But I sure, I sure don't want to go without them. There has to be structure and authority, okay? So the government is one place where that's true. The church is another place, believe it or not, and I know we've kind of strayed from this in our day and age, but the church is a place where there, there is to be order, there's to be structure, there's to be authority. You know, over and over again, the book of Hebrews, it talks about, about submitting yourselves to, 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 to those in authority over you. You know, and the church is to be a place where there's real teaching that goes on. That somebody up here opens up the Bible and says, Hey guys, this is what the Word of God says. And we're going to hold you accountable. If you're one of us, if you're a member of Lincoln Avenue, if you're committed to this body of believers, if you're in a small group, then, then we're going to hold you accountable. You know, we're, we're saying this is what the Bible says. And there's an authority and, and you should obey that. Okay? So, so the church is another place where, where there's to be structure, there's to be authority, there's to be pastors and teachers and elders and, and, and people that, 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 that are accountable to one another. But here's the one we're going to talk about today, and that's the family, okay? The family is one of those institutions that God created, and He created it in such a way where there's a design, okay? There, there, there's order and there's structure and there's authority, and God has a plan for family. God has a plan for men, Okay, a specific plan for men. God, God has designed men to be a certain thing in the family. And God has a specific plan for women and for mothers and wives. And God has designed them and then structured the family in, in that they ought to, to, to behave and live out a, a certain thing in the family. And folks, let me tell you, it is foolish to say, okay, I, I know what God says a man ought to be, but I don't want to be that. Okay, that, that's a foolish thing to say. It's foolish to say, okay, I see what God has said about, about a woman and about a mother and about a wife, but I don't want to be that, and I don't want to do that. Okay, that, that's a foolish thing to look the God of the universe in, in the face who created this thing and say, I don't want to do this your way. But let me tell you, people are doing that all across our nation, and the family is where it is largely because people have completely disregarded God's plan for life and for the family. Folks, if, if we can trust Jesus with our salvation, with our eternity, you know, if, if I can, and I believe I can, I can trust Jesus to take away every sin, every filth, every, every, every fault of mine and, and pay for it on the cross and give me His righteousness and take care of me and fill me with joy for billions of years to come. I can trust Him. I can trust Him that, that what He says about being a husband is right. And what he says about being a wife is right. And what he says about being a mom is right. And about being a dad is right. And about being a kid in a home, that it's right. Folks, it's dangerous and it's arrogant to disregard God's plan for the family in exchange for our own plan. Listen, there's no more, there's no institution, there's no group. You know, I told you how I don't want to live in, 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 in a place where there's no government. I don't want to live in a place where there's no family, Okay. There is, there is no institution more pivotal to life than the family. And the family is where children are born and raised and formed. The family is, is, is the most significant and lasting relationships of life are forged. The, the family is where values and morals are constructed. The family is the mean of, means of providing physical and emotional stability. Folks, with something this significant, this vital, this complex... We should not just say, hey, let's try it this way, you know? I mean, I got, one, I got one shot at my family. I got five kids that are looking to me saying, all right, Dad, you're designing, you're, you're living this thing out. And I got one shot at that. And it's scary to me 
for me to say, hey, you know what? I think I'll try it this way. You know, I know the Bible says that, you know, it shouldn't be this way, but I'm going to try it this way. We'll see how it turns out. Okay. That's a scary thing to me. Folks, it makes sense that God would have an order to the family, a way in which this thing is to design to run. And, and here's what God is, has designed. God has designed that there be strong leadership in the family. You know, keep that on the board. We're going to come back to it. Okay. Not only is the family incredibly important, but marriage itself, okay? Marriage itself, which is the core of the family, it is also designed... To, to reflect and to be a picture of the most significant relationship in all of the universe. Look at verse 23 and 24. Husbands, uh, for husbands, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. What's he painting there? Okay, Husband, wife, Christ, church. Okay, Verse 24. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. He doesn't stop there, by the way. Next week, we're going to start in verse 25 with the husbands. And he goes over and over time and time again, probably four or five more times in this short passage, comparing the marriage relationship to the picture of Jesus and the church. Okay? So in other words, he's always saying, you do this. Why? Because this is what Christ says of the church. And you do this. Why? Because this is what church says of Christ. In other words, this is a model. These two go together. God has designed you male and female. God has instituted this thing called marriage, not just for you, okay? God has a grander purpose, a biggest, bigger purpose. And the purpose is to teach you about what the relationship between Christ and the church ought to be. There's no greater purpose than that. We got to get that, don't we? I mean, it's vital. If we don't get that, we don't get anything. If we don't get what Jesus is to the church and what the church is to Jesus, if we miss that, we've missed life, okay? We've blown it all. And so it's really important that we get that. And one of the ways Paul, or one of the ways the Bible has said the word to get that is by getting that marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. I've said this, I say this all the time. I said every counseling session. I think I said it yesterday in a premarital counseling. But, but, but it's true. My marriage is more about me and Jesus than it is me and Emma. It really is in, 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 in a, a thousand different ways. I, I'm finding ways that it is every day, okay? It really is more about my relationship with Christ. It really is more about me living out this picture of Jesus in the church than it is Emma and I fall in love in, in general music class, you know? I, I mean, it's more than that. It, it is bigger than that. And, and so because so much is, is at stake here... Folks, we aren't free to make marriage look however we want it to look. It is what the Bible says it is. It's not between two guys. It's not between two gals. It's not between somebody and their parakeet. It's it's none of those stupid things that our our society is trying to make it. It's not make it whatever you want to make it. It's not. And it's designed to run a certain way. And if it doesn't run that way, it's not what God intended it to be. So... Jesus loves and leads and sacrifices for the church. Husbands, that's you. You take your cue. The church submits to Christ, yields itself to Christ. Wives, that's you. You take your cue. So we got these big things on the table that we're living out, okay? And it's no small thing that that we do it the way God wants us to do. And it's arrogant to think that we know better than what God has planned. All right, so God's plan for marriage and the family. First of all, Is that the husband be the head of the family. Where do we get that? Verse 23. Are you ready? 
For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. All right, now here's the, here's the question of the day. What does that word head mean? Now, you're, if, you, if you go to a library, a theological library, and look that up, you're going to find everything under the sun. You're going to find people trying to you know, squirm in all different directions to make that word mean something that it obviously doesn't mean. Okay? Uh, my seven-year-old can read that passage, and she knows what that means. Right? It's, it's not that hard. We, we all really know what that means. I know it's an awkward thing for what it means, but it, it means what, what it means. Okay? It, it simply means that the husband is to take initiative... The husband is, is, is to take authority. The husband is to lead and to have the primary responsibility for his family. Now, big question. Does that mean that he has a superior skill, worth, and ability? Absolutely not. Okay? Lots of places in the Bible I could take you. Galatians talks about there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. First Peter 3, 7 says we're fellow heirs in the, in the grace of life. Lots of different places that, that obviously prove that. But, but let me just try to, try to explain this with an illustration of, of, of leadership, okay? And, and of, of, of submission, okay? Interesting thing. Last week I'm in France and I'm with four, uh, three other guys, okay? Uh, one of the guys is another pastor like myself. And another, another, both of the other guys are guys that own businesses, okay? So everybody really is, is used to, you know, making decisions, okay? Uh, we're in France. We can't speak French. We can't read the road signs. And we have a horrible map. And we can't find a better one, okay? So long story short, we're lost all the time, okay? Uh, and, and in France, it's a big deal to make a, a wrong decision. You know, uh, America has superior uh, road Road, road skills, I think, anyway, in my opinion. For this very reason, if, if you make a wrong turn off the interstate in America, what can you do? You can go up, you know, you usually just, usually you just actually can just drive straight over the road and get right back on, you know. If you make a wrong decision and get off the interstate in France, you know, you got to drive through three villages, you know, a couple herds of sheep, some cows, a little barn, and turn around and try to get back on a different way through a different town, okay. I mean, it's a huge ordeal. You're, you just blew an hour if you make a wrong decision, okay. So it's a big deal. And we're driving around, and, and here's the system that just naturally fell into place. When nobody planned this, we didn't say, all right, guys, here's what's going to be. But all of us are people, guys that understand authority and responsibility. We all live in that world. And so it just, it just happened like this. We had a navigator. And that navigator changed. It changed between three of us. One guy wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it. You know, he would not sit in that seat. He sat in the uncomfortable seats. We were squished in there. In fact, one of the seats, you had, a, you had one guy's derailleur, his rear derailleur. That's the end of the chain. You had it right in your side, okay? Well, you're sitting like this. He would sit in that seat rather than be the navigator, okay? But there are other three of us. We took turns being the navigator. And here's what it meant. The driver listened to the navigator. You know, it didn't matter what the guys in the back said. We had several different maps. Everybody shouting out stuff. But it just fell. It was a beautiful thing. It just fell that we just knew the guy in the navigator's position, he makes the call. Okay? So we're going up. We got all these signs. Nobody knows what they mean. I think we ought to take the yellow one. I think we ought to take the blue one. Here's what the brown one says. You know, the driver always listened to the navigator. Why? Because he was smarter? No. Because he was better at map reading? No. It switched. The guy switched. We switched all the time. It's because he had that position. We had to have order. We can't be, you know, vacillating and, you know, in between. And I mean, somebody had to make a decision. Somebody had to follow. And so there's a position there. And we all respected that. Okay? You know, in the same way, in, in a similar way, 
That, that's, that's the way God has designed marriage. Did, did, did he make husbands smarter than wives? You can look at our relationship, Emma and I, and know that's not true. Did he, did, he, did he make that more gifted? I can look at many of you guys and say, you know, that's not true, man. Your wife, she, she's a lot smarter than you. She's better to you than a lot of things. All right, that's just, that's just the fact. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with God's design for the family. Okay, now let me show you this definitively. Okay, here's the verse. You know, underline this verse. It settles it. Okay, I mean, it, it just settles it as far as equality. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse three. Paul says this. He says, "I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ." We're good there, right? Christ is our authority. The head of a wife is her husband. You might still be on the table of that. Okay, but that's what the Bible says. So, God's placed this guy. As a husband, over his wife, he's, he's the leader. He's taking primary responsibility for her, for the family, for taking care of her. Okay? But here's where it gets tricky. And the head of Christ is God. Now, see, if you take that, if you take the word head, and if you say, well, that means, you know, guys are better at, at making decisions. Guys are better at, at, uh, at leading. Guys are, you know, smarter. Guys are whatever. You just broke the trinity. Okay? By the way, they burn people at the stake for that in the Middle Ages. We don't still do that. So, but, you know, you're safe. But what I'm saying is that's a serious deal. To say that there's inequality in the Trinity. To say that Jesus is less than the Father. To say that he's, he's not equal. That he's not an equal portion in the Godhead. Okay? That, that's, that's, that's heresy. All right? Orthodoxy, right doctrine says, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, equal in every way. Okay? We believe that. All right, but yet in this verse it says the head of Christ is God. Now, how can that be? Well, it can be because as Jesus walked the earth, you know what he did? He placed himself in authority under the Father. Did it make him less? No. In fact, Jesus is glorified as the King of Kings. Okay? But, but, but there was order in the Trinity. There was order in, in Jesus coming to earth. You, you see over and over again. Let me read you some verses here. John chapter 5, verse 30. He says, Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. Now, is that really true? The one who spoke the universe into existence, can he really do nothing on his own? I mean, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, can he? No, it's, it's not that he can't. He says, I won't. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. That's Jesus talking. He says, I place myself under the Father, and I seek his will. John chapter 15. I'll give you another one here. John chapter 15, verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Again, Jesus submitting Himself to the Father. Okay, in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember that? Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. What does He say? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus willingly submitting Himself, placing Himself under the Father's authority. You, you know what? As you, look at, as you look at this, as you look at headship, as you look at authority in the Bible, especially in the family, here's the thing. It is never described, never once that I can think of in the Bible, is it described as far as benefits, you know? Never once is it, hey guys, you know, what this means is you can sit back and give orders, you know? You do dishes. You, you know, pay the bills. You, you know. I mean, no, it's never described in terms of that. Actually, it's the opposite. The way it's described in the Bible is because I'm the head of my family means I am responsible for my family. The buck stops with me in everything. 
Okay? I'm responsible. I'm responsible for the relationship between him and I. That's a real heavy deal. I don't know, if guys, if you feel that. That's a heavy deal. You know what that means? That means that, that if Emma messes up and she hurts me and she betrays me and she does something that, that harms our relationship, you know what my fleshly tendency is? My fleshly tendency is to step back and say, well, you broke it. You fix it. You know? I'll be over here pouting and being self-righteous. You get your deal together and fix this thing you broke. Okay? That's my fleshly tendency. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, even if I didn't break it, I'm responsible to pull it back together. That's a heavy deal on my life. That I'm responsible for that. I'm responsible to seek reconciliation. Who's responsible to make sure that we're a praying family? I am. Who's responsible to make sure that we pray as a couple? I am. Who's responsible to make sure that my kids know how to pray? I am. Who's responsible to make sure that that, that the Bible is taught and understood in my children? I am responsible for that. Does that mean Emma has no role in that? Absolutely not. She has an incredible role in that. But it, it stops with me. I'm responsible to make sure that happens. I'm responsible to make sure that we don't overschedule ourselves. That, that, that our kids know the Word of God. Then my wife gets help and relief and refresh, refreshment. When we're both together, and ultimately even when we're apart, but when we're both together, I'm responsible for the discipline of the children. I mean, I believe that. In other words, if we're at Walmart and Haven starts pitching a fit, you know, making a scene, she's got to deal with who? Me, if I'm there. If I'm not there, she's fortunate and gets to deal with mom. But if I'm there, she deals with me. Okay? It comes down to me. I don't be like, well, man, deal with that kid, honey. I'm walking over the tools, you know? I don't do that. I don't do that because this is my deal. And I'm responsible. And and she's with them a whole lot more than I am. You know, she's carrying 80% of the load there and I'm carrying 20. But what I'm saying is I'm still responsible to make sure that that's done. And when we're both together, that, that comes out. I'm responsible. Here, you're not going to like this. But man, it's true. I'm responsible for the finances of our family. Okay? Now, how you work that out, I'll let you decide that. Uh, I've got an idea of how that ought to work. And if you want to know, you can come talk to me. But, uh, but I'm responsible. I'm responsible to make sure we don't go into debt. Okay? If our family is swallowed up in debt, that's on me. She well, you know, she charged most of it. It's on me. And for, for many years, here's what I did. I knew nothing about the finances. I brought my checks home. I said, you know, make sure it gets put in the bank. I said, hey, we got money. If we didn't have money, I was like, what would you spend it on, you know? We did the whole blame thing. I, w- I was not. I was not taking responsibility. I was not the leader in this area. I failed for about five, first five or six years of our marriage. I blew this one big. And God, God had to press it on me about a hundred times before I'd finally, okay, okay. All right, it's my responsibility. You know, you can't be responsible for something you don't know anything about. Um, and I know it's a sensitive area. That's why I'm spending a little time on it. Um, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's way, God's way is best. Does that mean you'll be rich? No, you won't be. Oh, you might be. We probably won't be. Uh, does that mean it will always go well? No, it won't. You know why? Because people make mistakes and people blow it. Sometimes people aren't where they need to be spiritually. But I'm telling you, God has an order here. God has an order here. Headship means initiative. It means responsibility. Now, does the wife play a part in that? In every part of that. Okay? 
And wives, the first part that we've got to get through today is that the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who suffocated for six hours on a cross so you wouldn't go to hell, who loves you more than you could ever imagine, He asks you to submit. Not just here, by the way. You know, you might think, well, is this just this passage? Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Titus chapter 2, verse 4. Train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some of them don't obey the word, they may be won by, without a word by the conduct of their wives. Um, it's, it's, it's all over. It's in the Bible. What that means is it's sin not to do it. Okay? Wives, do you hear that? i, I got to say that. Uh, please, please don't worry that, that I'm letting the guys off. Um, tomorrow, I'm gonna, or next week, we're going to hammer them hard. Okay? So, um, but, but we need to say that. It's sin. It's sin to thwart the leadership of your husband. It's sin to leave him out of decisions. It's sin to go around him. It's sin to hide stuff from him so that he doesn't know to make a decision. It's sin to keep him in the dark about the kids. It's sin to keep him in the dark. It's, it's sin to thwart the leadership of your husband. You may be able to do a better job. and In fact, I, I, I can name couples where I think the wife would do a better job. Um, I didn't create marriage and I didn't create the family. This is God's deal. You may be able to do a better job, but here's what I believe. Your superior skill without God's blessing gets your family not as far as your obedience with God's blessing, even with His inferior skill. Now, again, this doesn't mean you can't use your gift of discernment, your wisdom from the Word, your life, your faith experience to bless your family. You do. Ladies, you study, you read, you think, you pray, you exercise your gifts of of leadership underneath the leadership of your husband. With him, not apart from him. And that's the key. Okay? And if the guy's got half a brain, he's going to use every insight and every gift you have for the good of the family. You know? I mean, guys, it's a stupid deal to leave your wife out. I mean, I believe that God put, put me with Emma for, you know, for a particular reason. She's, she's too old. And man, there's, there's no couple in this room probably that are more different than Emma and I. You know, and if you, if you know us, you probably know that. I mean, we're, we're on drastic ends of the spectrum on, on a bunch of stuff. And, and, and I believe that in some way God had a design in that, you know. And, and it's created hardship in our marriage. It's created difficulty. We don't have one of those marriages where it's just, it just flows easily, you know. We really got to work hard. But I, but I really think there's things in my life that are only there because God put this lady in my life. And I think there's things in our kids that wouldn't be there if she wasn't in, in, our, in, in our family, you know. And I, I believe that God put us together. And, and, and she, she's my helpmate. That's what Genesis chapter three says, chapter 2 says. That God has placed the woman... To, to complete the man. And I want you to consider this, ladies. Consider this. That, that submission may be the most powerful avenue you have to influence the direction of your family. In other words, instead of thinking of submission as, well, man, I, I don't have a say in this deal. I can't influence my family. I, I actually would like for you to turn that around. And I would like for you to consider that. Could it be that this, this, this submission thing is actually the most powerful tool in your belt to steer your family in the right direction, okay? 
Now, how, 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 why would I say that? Okay, let's say you don't do this. Let's say you're like, man, you, you're, 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 you do stupid things and, and you're, you're a fool sometimes. I got to take the reins on this deal. I'm, I'm going to lead our family. You follow me, okay? What's going to happen? That guy's going to do one of two things. He's going to retreat into passivity, okay? Guys are really good at this, okay? We learned it from our great-granddaddy, Adam. Remember him? Remember in Genesis chapter 3, serpent appears to Eve, says, hey, Eve, you know, if you consider the fruit, you know, it's really great. You'll, you'll be like God. You'll know God. You'll know good and evil. God's holding back from you. Eve, Eve takes of the fruit, eats it, gives to her husband. Look it up in Genesis. Who is with her? What's he doing? He's watching ESPN in the garden, all right? He, he's, he's checked out. He's passive. He has retreated into doing nothing, okay? He's not doing anything wrong. He's just not doing anything, okay? And gals, you may hate that about him, but you may also be producing that in him. You may for a long time have, have, have groomed that and fostered that and created that in this guy where you always take the lead and anytime he does, you make him feel stupid about it. And anytime he doesn't do it just like you, you, you would do it, you, you, you make it real clear with, with signs and gestures and songs that, that it's, it's a dumb deal, you know. You know what? There are guys, there are certain guys, not all guys, some guys will go the other direction, but there are certain guys, that's what they'll do. They'll just pull away into passivity. And you'll have a guy, you'll have a couch potato who hunts and fishes and does whatever he wants and do, takes no responsibility for the family. Now, let me be fair. Some, some of you ladies, you, you may have that in your family and you didn't create that. Uh, he, that's just sin, okay? But I'm saying, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't, if you take the initiative and leadership, some guys will retreat in passivity. Other guys, this is probably worse even, other guys will retreat in anger. And, and they'll retreat, they'll retreat, but it'll, it'll be retreated in, in anger and bitterness and seething. And you'll have this horrible relationship that your kids have to endure and that you got to endure. So, so number one, I don't think that's a good option. <laughs> I just don't think it's a good option either way. I think for a, a lady to, to step up and, and take the leadership in her family, uh, I, I think it creates... It mars the family. You may be able to do a better job. You may be smarter. You may be more skilled. But I think the damage that it does in the relationship does more damage to the family. On the other hand, and, and, and this is one of those deals that it's, it's, it's really, it's really uh, unfortunate that I'm preaching about it. Because what's better is to actually see it. Uh, a lady that has has skillfully developed the art of of empowering and encouraging and and enabling a guy to lead to his best ability that's a beautiful scenario there are guys that wouldn't be worth a plug nickel but who are really successful in life because they have a wife who knows how to do that they got a wife that knows how, how to encourage how to foster leadership how how how, how to how to submit themselves you know, you know, leadership's a hard deal. You ever, you ever found that? I mean, for some of you, it's not. Some of you just come by it naturally. For a lot of people, it's a hard. It's a hard deal to take responsibility for something, to to know how to how, how, how to steer something. Right? That's a hard thing. And, and a lot of guys don't come by that naturally. And man, what they really need is a lady who will help them become what they need to be. And and, and you know, the only the only way you learn how to lead is by having someone follow. You know. You ever tried to, to learn leadership with nobody behind you? You know, you ever tried that? That's a hard thing, you know. 
Uh, it's a hard thing to, to get good at leadership when nobody will ever follow you, you know? Uh, it's really difficult. It's impossible. I believe that submission creates, creates real leadership in a family. In other words, in order, in order for the guy to be what he needs to be, he's got to have a, a gal who will be what she needs to be. And when that's both there, you've got a family that clicks. All right. What are going to be some obstacles in living this out? Real quick, and, and we're, we're running out of time. Uh, I think the biggest one is fear. Uh, as I talk to ladies, um, man, there's, there's a lot of fear in this. Um, fear, and, and I would also describe it as control, giving up control. But e- either one of those, really, a lady that has control issues is a lady who's fearful. Uh, and, and, and fear is probably the biggest thing here. Is this guy going to mess up my life, you know? If I trust him, if I let him have the finances, you know, we're going to end up living in a shack with a, you know, a $50,000 bass boat, you know. And if I, if, I, if I let him have, you know, his way, you know. And that's a scary deal to a lot, to a lot of people. Um, what's my answer to that? Man, look at verse 21. This is interesting. I, I never saw this. Last night, about 11 o'clock, I thought, what is that Greek word? I was kind of struggling with it. I thought, what is that? I looked it up, blew my socks off. Verse 21, submitting to one another. Again, this is the mutual, out of reverence for Christ. You know what that word reverence is? It is the classic Greek word phobos for fear. It's where we get our word phobia from. But I mean, it's, it's the word for fear in Greek, okay? So, so literally, that would be submitting to one another out of fear for Christ. Okay, now, now we've smoothed it out reverence because the context demands that it's not, ah, I'm scared of Jesus. No, the context is, is said to where it's, it's I, I see the bigness of Christ. I don't want to disappoint him out of reverence. You know, you, you can fear someone in the sense of revere them. You hold them so high, okay? And, and so it's interesting that the reason most of the time this doesn't work is because we're afraid. You, you know the first thing Jesus tells us here when he starts talking about submission? You do this. Because you're more afraid of disobeying Jesus than you are of anything else. You get that? So, so is, is this a fearful thing? Yeah. You may be fearful that it'll squander the money, that it'll ruin the children, that it'll drop the ball. But the key is, is, is it's more scary to disobey Jesus. It's more scary to say, I reject your plan for the family in, in view of mine. That, that We ought to be more fearful of that than we are of some guy messing up our lives. Okay? Could be pride. Pride's another obstacle here. Marital competition. You, you know, a lot of marriages, and there's this, there's this scoreboard all the time. Oh, that's deadly. You know, it's who's the biggest martyr. You know, who's taking it on the chin more. You know, who gives more. Who's more in the relationship. You know, who, who gets to do more? Who spent more money? Who's, you know, it's just always ching, 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 ching. You know, man, that's, that's just a deadly thing. It really is. It does nobody any good and it creates misery for everybody. And take down the scoreboard. Uh, pride is an obstacle. And finally, and there's some guys that are going to hate that I'm coming back to this because... There's, there, there's guys in this church that are always like, man, even when you preach to the women, you always hammer us, you know. Why can't we just have one day off, you know. Uh, we just can't because this doesn't make sense unless, unless we understand leadership. One of the things that will really mess this up from the guy's standpoint is lazy men. Uh, men who don't take responsibility. Men who try the passive Adam silent type. Uh, men who, who don't lead, who don't protect, who don't pray. 
Men, men who, put, who basically put women in the situation of having to lead. You know, there, there, is, there is that. You know, you may be a gal in here and you get to, you know what, Pastor, honestly, I take care of the bills, I take care of the, the finances, I take care of the kids, I take care of the discipline, I take care of all that. But your heart of hearts may be, I don't want to. And I really don't want to. But you're forced to because he won't at all. And I understand that. I think you need to check your heart, make sure you're not doing anything to hinder that. But, but I have seen situations in which it really is. I mean, there's a gal who desperately wants to follow this guy's leadership, but he won't lead. Guys, we've got to lead. You know the standard answer? What, what's our Trump answer to every, every excuse for every sermon? What is it? I don't have time. You know what? That one comes up a lot in this issue. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are like, you know, well, I don't have time to leave my family because I've got be, to work. I work, you know... Uh, 273 hours a week, you know, and so I, I don't have time to leave my family. You know, here's what I say. Get another job. Really. I mean, if that's really true, if that, if that really, I mean, a lot of times guys over, over, you know, over exaggerate the amount of time they really have to work. But if it, if it is really true, and I believe there are probably jobs that way, I mean, if it's really true that you're just gone so much all the time that you have no ability to leave your family, then I say get a job. Get a different job, you know. Get a lesser paying job. Figure something out. Um, however, you know, I've read stories about guys like John Piper's dad, guys like Billy Graham, who were literally gone for months at a time and yet still pulled this off. They, they still, them and their wives, figured out a way where he still was involved. He still, you know, the wife carried the burden of the load, obviously. When he came home, he stepped right in took responsibility, nurtured his wife, took care of her, made sure she had what she needed, made sure she got the breaks she needed, you know, figured out a way to kind of be there even when he wasn't there. I think whatever your situation is, I think as you pray and as you ask God, I think we can figure this deal out. But the key is we've we got to be willing. We've got to be willing to do what God's called us to do. A couple disclaimers. Number one, guys, this is really not to you. Okay, it is to us in the sense of we got to understand what it, what it is to be a leader. But there's not one time in this entire Bible, 66 books, not one time, that it commands the guy to make his wife submit. There's not one. It never, it never says it. It never addresses that. It's always to the woman. You know why? Because submission is voluntary. Okay? So guys, you have a, you have a lady, you have a woman, you have a wife. Maybe she's not a believer. And, and she, she does, she's not tracking with this. Okay? You know what? It's not your job to make her. You, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be embittered. You shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't be unfor, un, you know, unforgiving. You know what you should do? You should do next week's sermon. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You do your deal. You know what? She's accountable to God ultimately for that. Okay? One other thing. Ladies, what if your husband isn't a believer? That creates a situation, doesn't it? Um... Yeah, actually, that's addressed in the Bible. Turn to 1 Peter 3 real quick. We're almost done. I won't be long. A um, couple things. You never, you, never your fo- you never follow your husband into sin. Okay? Uh, Acts 5.29. Uh, the apostles are talking with the, the, the Jewish Sanhedrin. And uh, they're telling them to do something that's against God's word. And Peter says this. He says, we must obey God rather than men. Okay? So he's talking to the governing authorities. But there's a time... If ever, if ever our government tells me, you've you got to stop preaching the gospel, what do I do? Well, the Bible tells me to obey governing authorities unless that authority 
crosses with God's authority. And then I got to obey God because he's the higher authority. He set up the government. Okay? So, you never follow your husband into sin. Your husband asks you to do something illegal, immoral, unrighteous, unholy. You know, I think there's a way to respectfully say, Honey, man, I love you. I want to follow your leadership. You know, if it was anything else, I, I would be more willing to do it. But this is sin. And my heart belongs to Jesus. And, and I can't do it. Is there some other way? Okay? You never follow him into sin. Number two, you, you still can have an incredible influence on this guy. Even if he, if, he, if he thinks Jesus is a joke, you can have an incredible influence on this guy. Not, not by taking leadership of your home, but by doing just what the Bible says to do. L- listen to this passage. Likewise, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, that's obey the Bible, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. If you've been here when I preach this passage, my, my, my introduction here is women... You have a power that is, that is out of this world big with your husbands. Okay? Because that, that verse just says there that you have the ability to influence this guy for eternal salvation by not even speaking a word. But you don't even have to use words. Simply by your conduct. Simply by your, 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 your respectful and pure conduct. The, the verse goes on when you see respectful and pure conduct. Don't let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair, wearing of gold, on and on and on. Uh, verse 5, for this is how the holy women of God hoped it, who, who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands. There's a powerful, powerful thing that happens when a lady does this. Lives this out well. It's a hard thing. A lot of marriages that it's harder than others. Some of you, it's a piece of cake. You got this perfect setup. Others of you, it's not cake. Some, some, some other kind of food that's not so good. But I think if we can trust Jesus with everything else, we can trust Him with this. Let's pray. Father, I ask You, God, to help us to embrace the Word of God, to help us to, to grab onto Your truth and, and to believe it. And to step out in faith, God. And there's so many things that we're not sure how they're going to work out. We're not sure, God, how, how, how we're going to manage it. But Lord, we, we ask for your grace. And we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without being filled with your Spirit. Without yielding to and filling up with you. So God, we ask that, that you would make that happen in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.